to Meeting Alchemists, a pavement podcast. Hey, it's JD, and welcome back for another week where we take a deep dive and look at the catalog of seminal indie rock band Pavement. And then we just sort of sit down, scratch our heads, and say, wow, that's a lot of good music. We're like 20 weeks into this thing. Something like that. And I don't know that there's been like what you'd call a dud. There are songs I don't like as much. But um, this has been a nice little education for me, and I hope you're enjoying it too. Let me know. JD at meetingmalchemist.com got a couple letters that uh, have been sent to me. I got one handwritten note uh, late last week or middle of last week. And it was really touching. And um, it was just somebody reaching out about my mom and uh, wishing me well. And that's Pete. And uh, thanks so much. And uh, also for checking in about the tickets for um, the Barcelona show that look like they go on sale on Monday. So everybody on your marks. I um, continue to be confounded by this whole episode of Mortality and what it means. I've been doing more drinking than I probably should. And, uh, and, uh, and weed. So, uh, <laughs> doing weed. Hey, man, pass the weed. Uh, just trying to be out of my own head. Sometimes it's uh, good to have a soundtrack for that. And thank fuck for. The new Malcolmus and Spiral Records. They've really helped me. But are you as excited as I am about uh, Berman's new record, Purple Mountains? Man. Bought my tickets for that already. On the Twitter sphere, a couple people were talking about the Shattercones version of Mellow Jazz Docent. And... If you want it, just ask. Um, I'll check in with Shattercones and uh, see if I can distribute it. But it's on Bandcamp, I'm pretty sure. But I can send you the MP3 clip that I have as well. Just reach out. So I got a note this week. Actually, it was last week. And it says, Hey JD, I've been contemplating writing you to thank you for your podcast, but the last episode solidified this. I guess I'm not the type to communicate much just to say thanks. But pavement is special to me, and hearing what you're going through makes my heart go out to you. So sorry for your loss. I would bet that you are getting some nice support from your new friends as a result of this podcast, so perhaps the universe aligned, making it very timely for you to start this thing and connect with us at this time in your life. Anyway, if it wasn't clear, thank you. 
I've been a Pavement fan since the early 1990s and was lucky enough to have seen them a bunch of times and the Jex 2. I'm not really big on nostalgia, but something about this music really moves my neurotransmitters in a way no drug likely could. And I have to say, I thought I heard all of Pavement's music, but some of those earliest tunes you played have been new to me, so thank you for that. In recent news, I too saw SM on the Groove Denied tour at the Lodge Room in Highland Park, L.A. He opened with Spit on a Stranger. Partway through, he played Blackout. Later in the set, he, later in the set, he jumped further back and did Frontwards and closed with Fight This Generation. Again, serotonin all over the place. Of course, hearing the Groove Denied tunes live was fantastic. Some of the different versions, as we should expect, which is always fun. One other note I feel I should add, since this is a place to nerd out on Malcolmus, I was lucky enough to see him to see him do a solo show back in 1998 at Long Beach Museum of Art. Just him, a guitar, some pre-recorded stuff, and a notebook. At this show, he did an early pre-album version of Spit on a Stranger. So hearing it the other night, way after Twilight, Terror Twilight, solo with just him and guitar again, was a cool, full-circle experience in my mind. Also of note, at that 98 show, he did a very early version of Blue Arrangements, which you know popped up later on the Silver Jews album, American Water. Anyway, I thought I'd share and show some support. I hope you continue the podcast if you're ready, and although I don't know you, I feel like I can say you will be okay, and I hope you meet Malcolmus. My condolences and appreciation. Mike. Mike. That's a very uh, lovely letter and uh, chock full of information. I don't even know where to start. I love the serotonin all over the place. That's a great note. Uh, it does feel like that's what this is like sometimes, doesn't it? Um, I'm really glad that I was able to play some stuff that you didn't know, too. That's pretty cool. Um, we tend to be an obsessive lot and being able to find something that maybe you haven't heard or maybe didn't click at the time you heard it is a a neat, neat, neat way of connecting through the atmosphere. Thank you so much for listening and for taking the time to write. You guys just don't know what it means. (laughs) I'm fine to stand on a tree stump and holler this podcast into the ether. But it's so nice when it bounces back and and you hear that people are enjoying it. It's um it's a tough feeling to duplicate. Though God help me, I've been trying. So there's that. Right now, um, speaking of making connections, I'm going to throw to an interview I did earlier today with a poet from Ireland, uh, Ellen Dillon, about her book that has recently been published by Sad Press Poetry. It's called Sonnets to Malcolmus, and it's wonderful. And so is she. So let's give that a listen. 
have a very special guest today on the show, and I'd like to introduce her now. Please <laughs> give a big warm welcome at your house while you're listening to this. Clap your hands, because that's strange, I think, maybe a little bit. But for Ellen Dillon. Hello, Ellen. Hi, how are you, JD? I'm all right. Um, I might recut that introduction, but I might just leave it as it is. <laughs> okay. It's suitably absurd, you know? It is for, for the project in hand, yeah. That's right. Yeah, not, not necessarily for you, although, although you have a very interesting project that we're going to talk about a little bit later, too. So you deal in the absurd a little bit. Um, a little bit, yeah. When it comes to... Uh, your feeling about this band and and their output. Yeah, you so. could say that, yeah. <laughs> so where am I talking to you from right now? Okay, so I am in the south of County Limerick in Ireland. That's very cool. So the southwest of Ireland, it's about halfway between Cork and Limerick. What What is it, do you think? Um, I will tell you right now that from a numbers perspective, there, there is a great deal uh, of listenership that comes from Ireland, um, the UK, yeah, uh, you know, mainland Europe. Um, what is it about that region? And you can only speak to yours, I suppose, but like that they really latched on to this subject matter. And like, I didn't realize they would latch on to the podcast, but. But clearly they well, are pavement, you know, obsessed people. Fanatics. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I think part of it is to do with like um, Malcolmus and his interviews back in the day was always so positive about British things. And he was always such an Anglophile. Now, that doesn't necessarily always um, sell well in my particular neck of the woods. <laughs> but like there was always a sense that he had an interest in European things and then they played here such a lot in the 90s and that and they were always a band that you'd be able to go and see and you know that you know love grows from that like and you know people grew up with those songs and you know they're part of people's lives and you don't you know you don't just let that go because the band's on hiatus or whatever. Yeah I mean I mean from a region perspective when I say this, I mean, when I say you guys, I mean, regionally. Yeah, you guys got, Europe, you guys got wide, the last yeah. show. And then you're getting yeah. two shows next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, I know. And I can't really claim Spain or Portugal as home games as such, but they're close enough to home. Yeah. It's pretty astonishing. Yeah. That's yeah, wonderful. Very exciting. Yeah. I haven't been to Spain, so I'm, I'm hoping to uh, apparently can get tickets on the 17th. On the 17th, is that as soon as they're coming out? Yeah, we're looking at Portugal ah. um, because I have we have never been there. So it's a perfect reason to go. Of course it is. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about your history with the band and maybe yeah. how you found <laughs> yeah. them. And, and where I brought them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I have been listening to pavement for my entire adult life. I was um, I was an au pair in France when I was 17 and 
I was listening to the, the indie radio DJ at the time. His name was Bernard Lenoir and he used to play all the, the cool um, music in English. And he was playing some, it was just before Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain came out and he was playing some pavement and I hadn't heard them before and I was completely blown away. Um, so as soon as the record was released in France, I went and bought it and loved it from the opening guitar question mark and, you know, bought everything that they released subsequently ever since and have listened to them, you know, obsessively since 1994, which makes me sound really old. Wow. That's yeah. Well, that's 25 years, right? It is 25 years. Yeah, there's no, no, there's no um, massaging that away. Yeah, I've listened to a band um, through like growing up and or not and, you know, family (laughs) stuff and bonding with other people over, you know, B-sides that they loved best and, you know, nerding out over the um, early EPs and stuff like that. You know, they have it has always been like a a staple part of, of my life for, you know. A quarter of a decade that sounds scary well that's just it it's it's uh it's a um treasure trove of material like even though yeah. there's only five lps there's oh so there's much. so much in the in the cracks and the crevices between the um albums themselves and like even now you, you go back and you listen to things that you really had passed you by like or that you hadn't listened to properly when they came out like this you know and then even the songs themselves that you know backwards, forwards and inside out, they update with you. Like, you know, when you're listening to them and you've discovered other music in the meantime or you've discovered other writers or you're thinking about things differently now than you were then, it opens up a whole new way of listening to the songs as well. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. As your life changes, you know, I've had I've had a couple of children and, yeah, same. Uh, yeah, things yeah. Like that and you know, it's like, oh, this song means something a little differently. Completely different, absolutely. Yeah. And and facets that open up to you that weren't available to you before. It's like a book that you keep coming back to, and every time you read it, because you're reading it from a different standpoint, it's a different book. And like, I find that you know, pavements music does that too, I, more than most things. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to do this project. But let's talk a little bit about your project. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is fascinating yeah. that uh, yeah. this came about. And I, I'll stop referring to it as this or that and let you properly introduce what your project is and maybe where it came from. Yeah. Okay. So it's a book called Sonnets to Malcolmus. Um, that's just been released this month through Sad Press in uh, based in Bristol in the UK. So Sad Press, exactly like it's spelled. They're on Twitter um, and online, etc. If anybody's interested in following up. Um, so Sonnets to Malcolmus, it, it came about like I, I write poetry and I for a long time was a notoriously slow <laughs> poet. It would take me forever to um, finish anything. And I was like, I felt like I really needed a structure or a project or kind of a constraint to make myself do something substantial. So a book that I was absolutely obsessed with in my early teens before I even discovered Pavement was Rilke's um, Sonnets to Orpheus. So it was um, 
written in German um, in like 1920. Um, and it was a book of sonnets that he wrote in response to the death of a friend of his daughter's. And it um, had a lot, a lot about song and a lot about the figure of Orpheus, the, the musician, the lyre player going into the underworld to rescue his beloved Eurydice. So um, I read those poems when I was you know, a young teenager. And I can frankly say, like, understood virtually nothing of them. And I remember very little of them except for the thrill of sitting down with that book and just reading those lines, even though I didn't understand anything. Which is, anyway, so I decided that I would rewrite uh, or, or just take that framework as a structure and do something with it. So by framework, I may, uh, the things I took from um, Sonnets to Orpheus were the time constraints. So Rilke wrote it in like a burst of, of, of inspiration, like he wrote um, 26 sonnets in three or four days. And then in the two weeks after that, he wrote another 29 sonnets. So 55 in total written in less than a month. Wow. So I was like, yeah, so in, in an absolute burst. Um, so I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> that seems like exactly the kind of because um, I, I work really well to deadlines and really badly when there are no deadlines. So I was like, that's a really concrete, specific time deadline to set to myself. And then I was like, well, you know, what am I going to write these sonnets about? And I had and I'm not good at I don't really write about things I write from and to other things like I'm always writing um, in response to another text or somebody else's poem or song lyrics or translations or stuff like that. I don't really sit down and go, right, I'm going to write a love poem about my husband or I'm going to write about penguins like it, I, I write to something else. So I was like, OK, I have my structure. I have my time limits. Um, OK, where am I going to go with this? And then I was listening to Pavement, as I often am, and I was listening to Shoot the Singer and I was singing along. And I am, you know, also very bad for getting the lyrics wrong, even to songs I've been listening to for 25 years. So I was singing along and I came, was singing the line, I named the book after you. And I was like, oh, bingo, there we go. So what? I was like, right. So I was like, OK, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take um I'm going to take pavement and I'm going to put Malcolmus into the sonnets to Orpheus. And that's where the, the content side of it is going to come. So um, then what I did was I said, right, um, I, I started thinking about it and then it gets so cheesy and I'm almost embarrassed to say this out loud and I never have done before. So this is a special moment. So <laughs> I sat down and I was I was looking at his name and I was like, oh, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-M-A-L-K-M-U-S. That's literally 14 letters, 14 lines for the sonnet. There you go. So um, so then I figured that the first section, the first 25, uh, 26 sonnets would be I would for find a line from a pavement song for. So sorry, this is very hard to explain yeah, when I, I'm no, I, um, I have the book in my hand, so I know where you're I know where you're leading us. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. So what I did was for the first um, sonnet, I took the letter M and I was like, um, right, I, I took a letter and I was like, there has to be um, a pavement um, song lyric in um, the first line as inspiration. OK, and then they're all going to be acrostics. So if you read it down the side, it says Malcolmus. Um, and in the first section, they are kind of palindromes. 
because you've got the first stanza is Malcolmus and then the second stanza is Malcolmus backwards. So I thought that was nice. The image of Orpheus going into the underworld, walking in and then walking back out again. So that was the the, the pattern of that. And each um, each poem has a seed line, which is a lyric from um, one of the one song, some song from Pavement. And, and, and typically speaking, that lyric comes from the like you've you've paid homage to the title. Yes, you, you can see in the yeah exactly. If you're a proper pavement nerd, you'd be like, okay, the title rearrange it in some way, in some usually very cheesy way, and there you have it. Like, oh, I don't think um, it's cheesy. I think it's very like elder boxing. You know, elder you know, boxing. Yeah, right. Very and, cool. And, yeah, and seasonal infant for summer babes. So there's some play on all of them. And then it works through um, Pavement's albums quite chronologically. So it starts with Slanted and Enchanted and then moves towards, we'll say, um, the Watery Domestic EP and then goes on to Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain and Wowie Zowie and Bright in the Corners and then on to Terror Twilight. And then I kind of realized that I got my numbers wrong a little bit because Terror Twilight doesn't have as much of a tail as the other albums. So I ran out of uh, source songs before I ran out of before I hit the 26th. So the last two poems in the first section um, push push into um, Malcolm's solo work. So there is um, Vague Space and Cold Sun are the two um, for the last um, section there. So that's the first 26. So they were mostly pavement with a little bit of of solo um, Malcolmus and Jicks at the end there. Um, and then the second section had to be 29 um, sonnets. So the, sorry, excuse me. So the second section then spells out his full name. So Stephen Malcolmus. So for the Stephen stanzas, each of those takes a seed line from a song by Malcolmus from his solo, uh, not solo, from his Jigs albums. Um, and then the second stanzas, the Malcolmus stanzas are made from reshuffling lines from the first half of the book. So if you're reading through it, you'll see that the, all of the second stanzas in the second section are kind of a mix and match of kind of their collage together. That I did not from, notice. I did not notice from, that. You just got me. Yeah, well, it, you know, I spent an awful lot more time with these things than anybody else is going to. So like it's um, so, yeah, it, it, and, and there was kind of a pattern. Um, so it was like the first uh, the first poem in the um in, in the second half starts with the second stanza is made all my best life decisions in high school. So that's the first line from the first poem. And then the second line from the sec comes from the second poem and the third from the third poem and so on. So they kind of follow each other on. So that's what I mean by randomness. Like, so I wasn't sitting down and writing them. I was like reshuffling them like a deck right. of cards and, and putting them in, you know, in the order they came out in rather than massaging them or trying to make them fit into any nice pattern or anything like that. So, um, so then when it came to 26, I had to go back again, go back and shuffle things a little bit more because there were 29 poems in the second section, but only 26 in the first section. 
and I didn't want to have the same, like if I'd gone right back to the start, I'd have ended up repeating the same three stanzas exactly word for word. So I shuffled up a little bit again. And the thing that I'm most pleased with in the whole thing, when everything was all, you know, when, when all the bits were put back together, was that the very last line in the very last poem um, of the collection is silent kid, don't lose your graceful tone. So oh. like I, yeah, <laughs> so Lovely. that wasn't on purpose. Like I didn't, I didn't like massage or twist them around to make that happen, but it no, just, it's just the, the way cards the this worked out. Yeah. Yeah. The cards fell that way. So I was really pleased with that. Yeah. I love for the, for part one and for part two, you used, um, quotes from the sonnet Sorpheus. Uh, yes. Yeah. Part, yeah. Part one, yeah. it's true singing is a different kind of breath, a breath around nothing, a sigh and a God, a wind. And that's, yeah. um, Oh, that's an ambulance or something. Oh, ambulance. Oh. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but, uh, I really like that. Like that hooked me right off the bat. I was like, Oh, this is, and I didn't know the background. Yeah, I no, I didn't I want to put that, that in there too much. Like, yeah. But uh, you must be really pleased with the way, you know, we're talking about things that other people can't see that we can, but you must be really pleased with the typesetting. Like that must have been uh, um, yeah. like a bit of a journey because it is typeset very uniquely, right? It, yeah, it's be- it came out really beautiful. And that is um, uh, Sam and Joe at um, Sad Press. They just did like I sent it off to them and they sent back the proofs and it just looked so lovely. And I was really, really pleased with that how it came that out. That wasn't by design. That wasn't how you wrote. You structured oh, yeah. It. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With with the spacing. Yes. The yes, spacing sorry, was. Yeah. Yes. The, the, yeah. So the spacing was was a diff, was a, was another thing. Then there were like. Like when I, when I write, I get very because, as you can tell, I'm somebody who talks a lot and I get kind of anxious that there are too many words. So so one of the things that I started doing um, after I had done the like three weeks of intense writing and I had these like 55 sonnets was I started kind of punching holes in them like and, you know, knocking out you know, different categories of words here and there to see how that affected the texture and to try and give them a little bit of air to breathe and stuff like that. So to put a bit of space in there. And I kind of thought of that as, you know, a little bit like, um, you know, giving space for a guitar solo or, or a really good um, lo- counter melody line or something in a song, like, you know, not oh, not singing neat. all over it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So... There is something sparse to give it about a bit, pavement in that in that way, right? Like they don't, yeah, ram it down our throats. Um, exactly, yeah, exactly. Like there's always space there, and that's why those particular uh, quotes from um, the sonnets to Orpheus were the ones that I picked. Uh, the ones about, about breath. So for the second um, section, it's feel how your breath still multiplies all space. The idea of you know breathing into something and leaving a little bit of air into it, like that you're not singing all over it right that was the idea the idea behind that well alan i really want to thank you for um sharing this work with us through the book no thanks i'm delighted you wanted to talk about it it's always lovely when people read something you've written well i want to remind people of where they can get it where they can get it they go to sad they can go to sadpress.com and order it 
Or would they order yeah, it through the can go Sad Press Twitter? Or Sad Press, if, if you go if you go to Sad Press Poetry on Twitter, they they have a link there to their website. Um, and then their own website is sadpresspoetry.com. And if you click on our books, um, it's in there. Um, and they also do this great thing, which like they have published, like I'm so happy to have the book with them because they've published so many things that I really love and they have a bundle deal. And if you sign up for that, um, it's like £35 and they send you out, you know, their the books that they're that are out at the moment and then their next three or four books. And that's a really great way for anybody who's into contemporary poetry to get their hands on some um, interesting um new things that wouldn't necessarily cross your path otherwise. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's like a, a, like a, a grab club, bag like of new like a things. club or something. Like. Yeah, exactly. Like a record club back in the day. Yeah, like where you, exactly. You, yeah, yeah, you signed up because you liked this one band and then you ended up with all these other things as well. That's right. And how many times did you find, like, you know, you ordered something randomly or you got something randomly and you're like, whoa, this is now my yeah. name, you know? That's your, that's your favorite. Yeah. And that ends up being your favorite thing. Yeah. And the thing that you actually signed up for, it's like, oh, yeah, that's OK, too. But yeah, you find your 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 special thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's tougher now to find curated things, you know, and um, if you if you find somebody you trust and you admire and you like, and in this case, you know, that's how you feel with the uh, publisher. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, you know that it will be good. Like, yeah, that's right. Um, Alan, yeah. it has been really wonderful talking to you today, and uh, I appreciate you giving us your time and and your and your art. And uh, I hope a lot of people listening give this a chance and uh, read away. No, it was great to talk to you, um, JD, and thank you for all of, for giving me the chance to talk about my book and to listen to your podcast and dig deep with pavement because that's what I spend most of my time doing anyway. Awesome. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This week we are covering the last track on the summer babe seven inch before we jump into slanted next week which I'm really excited about, even though we've already talked about Summer Babe. Um, there's a lot of cover. There's a lot. So a lot to cover. Not a lot of cover. But going back to this week, we are talking about the live act staple, the third track on the EP, Baptist, Black Tech, and... Um, did I just say it's a live staple? Because it really is. It's a song we've been playing live since the pre-slanted tours. When I saw them in Central Park, they played it. I see they play it um, live fairly often. I probably could check that number out on setlist.fm, but uh, not gonna. Not gonna. Gonna wing it. Gonna wing it. So... There's that. What is this song about? I don't know. I don't know. It's an anthem, though. And although I, to some people's ears, shit on Mercy Snack last week by saying it didn't have a chorus, Baptist Black Tick doesn't have a chorus either, but 
the guitar in between the shout verses acts as an interlude or a chorus of sorts. This song to me is a real bridge between the original EP and later pavement. And by later pavement, I mean probably up to crooked rain or maybe even Wowie, but likely just, just, yeah, just crooked rain. It's, uh, it's an interesting song. It's, it's a, it really owes a lot to, um, the punk roots. Um, you can hear the sneering in, in the vocal delivery. You can visualize the crowd pumping their fist in the air at the angst of it all. And yet, where's the angst coming from? I don't know. Is it that, is it that, uh, that lightning quick drum, like the snare roll. I don't know, but it's wonderful. That, that snare roll is wonderful. Again, listen to the song if you can. And I the drums in your head and you, you really hear what a great drummer Gary can be. Um, but I love the whiny guitar like the high-pitched uh, speed of it all. It's, it's uh, a really great vibe. Lyrically, I, I can't put my finger on it. I know this is a couple weeks now where I haven't really committed to lyrics. But I do think that this is more a exercise in the timber and the cadence of that lyrical snare, that vocal snare and filling, filling that space with, with words that, that juxtapose those drums and, um, fill that time in between those guitar licks. Uh, I don't know that it, you know, necessarily means a whole lot. Um, that's my, my take. What do you think? So with that firm stance, that hot take that, uh, underqualified and uncool analysis of Baptist Black Tick. Let's listen to the fucking song. This is Baptist Black Tick on Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast.
Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast, is a weekly affair. You can listen, share, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the show, go to www.meetingmalchemist.com. I tweet and Instagram at Meeting Malchemist. Stephen, are you listening?